If you can't preach after that, I have no hope for you. So my name is Josh, lead pastor here at Bethel, and um, here's our hope and our prayer. That if you are in Christ today, if you say, well, Jesus is my Lord, Jesus is my Savior, my prayer that this message will revive your soul. Because all of us are in need, in need of revival. And my prayer is if you are not in Christ if Jesus is not your Lord and your Savior, that you will be made alive today. That something that you have heard, something that you have seen, something that you have experienced would make you say yes to Jesus Christ because He made a way for you. Even if you don't know who He is, He knows who you are. And He died on the cross for you to give you a new life and a better life to make a way where there was no way. So that's our hope and our prayer today. And as we begin, I want to welcome everyone. Uh, we have people watching online. Welcome, guys. We thank you that you are worshiping with us today. If you are new here, we want to say welcome. Uh, and also, I know they might be watching live in the back, but we have heroes. I call them heroes that watch our young adults, our youngest adults, every Sunday. And so we have people that have given up their Easter celebration that some of you might be here. So can we just thank them? Um, yeah. So if you're new, welcome, guys. Um, if, you, if you don't know what you got yourself into, this is Easter. This is the resurrection day of the Lord. And we are here because He lives. So we're in the third and final part of a message we call Because He Lives. And because He rose from the dead, we can call ourselves Christians. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, you would not be here today. You wouldn't. This would be a, a, a normal day. That's why we call this day the Lord's Day. Because Jesus did rise from the dead. Paul says it this way, if Christ had not been raised then our proclamation is in vain. And so is your faith. So if Jesus did not rise from the dead and you say, I'm a Christian, Paul would say, you're in vain. You are to be the most pitied of people. You are the one that the Lord says, or the world would say, bless your heart. You know, when we say that, we don't really want the Lord to bless anyone. We're really saying, I'm sorry. Because you don't really know what you're doing. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we would be bless your heart people. But let me tell you, your hope is not in vain. 
Your faith is not fake. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, everything changes. So my name is Josh, Pastor Josh to some of you. I'm the lead pastor here. And today I just want to speak briefly on what I call the power of the resurrection. Last week we looked at the purpose of the resurrection. And three weeks ago we looked at the people of resurrection. And if you have your Bibles with you, join me in John chapter 20. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Version. I think we take it for granted that the resurrection is an easy pill to swallow. So if you find yourself struggling with thinking deeply about Jesus rising from the dead, did he really rise from the dead? Can anyone really rise from the dead? I want you to know today you are not alone. Because the Bible... The Bible is a book written about God by God. So so know what the Bible is, right? The Bible is about God by God. This book about God contains people who did not believe in Him. And you might be surprised at who some of those people were. We're going to find some of them right now. John 20, verse 1. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark in John 20. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So Mary and Mary and another woman were told, come to the tomb to anoint a dead body. So they come to the tomb to anoint a dead body because they think Jesus is dead. So we have the joy of thousands of years of history and the finished Bible that tells us what happened later. But in this moment, Mary comes to the tomb expecting Jesus to be in the tomb. She was not a believer. Well, she did believe. She just believed Jesus was dead. And so she runs to the disciples. And she tells the disciples, he's not there. And this is what the disciples do. So Mary says, they've taken him out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. Now you would think that the disciples would say, well, you know, he told us about this. He, oh, He told us he was going to rise again. Mary, come on now. Don't you believe? But John, the inner circle of the inner circle of Jesus' inner circle, and Peter, the the outspoken person of the inner circle in Jesus' inner circle, they run to the tomb. Why? They, They don't... I know you're in church and you're trying to be nice. They don't believe. And so they run... Not belief, not joyful acceptance, but they run. Now look what happens in verse 8. This is is a humble brag in Scripture. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first. That's John's way of saying, Peter, you are slow. And for all of eternity, people will know. Also went in and they saw. And and what in verse 8? They saw and then... They believed. You see, there's something about the resurrection that reminds us that this is the power of God to you and to me. 
It was to Mary who didn't believe. It was to Peter who didn't believe. It was to John who didn't believe. But that's not it. There's another disciple. You know him as the doubter. This is Thomas. Thomas, when they come back and they tell him, Thomas, you won't believe what Mary said. And we went to the tomb and Jesus is not there. Thomas says, okay, you know what? I'll one-up you guys. When I see the holes in his hands, when I can put my hands in his side, he said, then I might believe. But unless that happens, in John it says, I will never believe. I will never believe. Never is a strong word, but it demonstrated Thomas's intense apprehension. That's not it, though. You would think that the scoffers and the skeptics would end in this book about God by God. But there's another man in Acts 9 named Saul. And if you want to turn there, you can. Acts chapter 9. Saul so disbelieved the possibility of the resurrection that he committed his life to stamping out the lie of the resurrection. In verse 2 we find this. He requested letters from the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way... Now, the way was an early way of saying they were Christians. They believed that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. They had the audacity to say, we believe he rose again. And Saul said, okay, let's see if you're willing to die for that lie. And so Saul committed his life to put these fools in prison. Not only did he deny the resurrection, he thought the very idea was blasphemous. Why do I give you all of those reminders? If you come in here today and you find the story of the gospel, God sending his only son to live a sinless life, to die on a cross for your sins, who rose again. If you struggle with thinking through that and believing that, you are not alone. The disciples would say, welcome to the team. Mary and the women who went first to the tomb would say, we understand. We were there. See, it's the reminder that every us, and so every single person here at one time, and maybe today, did not believe that Jesus was who he says he was. And the resurrection is the power of God to you. It's to you. This This is for you. God did this so that you would believe. He did this so that your chains and your sin and your guilt would be removed. He did this so that you who disbelieve would be found in relationship with Him because of Jesus Christ. The resurrection is the power of God to you. See, it's Jesus' way of saying, I love you. I died for you. I live for you. So those who doubt today find deliverance in the resurrection. You who scoff find salvation 
in the resurrection. You who, who have come in here hurt and wounded, maybe even from the church, you come in here broken and wounded and hurt. The resurrection says, find healing. This is the power of Yahweh to you. So if you say, are you talking to me? Yes, you. This is God's demonstration of his power to you. But Jesus did not stop at showing you his power. The resurrection calls us to act. So God didn't call you to sit. He calls you to participate. And look what happens here in the Gospels. Romans 1.16. Let me, let me read this. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and then the Gentile. For I am not ashamed. Do you know who wrote those words? You know the man who gave his life to stop those fools from sharing the resurrection? The man named Saul? He became that fool. He realized that the resurrection was true. He realized that God gave his only son and that Jesus lives he rose from the dead. And now Paul is saying, who is now Saul, saying, this is for me. Not only is the resurrection the power of God to you, but the resurrection is the power of God in you. What would change Saul's life in such a way? It's the gospel. And we, we say it simply around here. We say the gospel is Jesus in our place. Let me share what Paul wrote about this story that changed his life. He says in 1 Corinthians, he says, I passed on to you what was of most importance. So now he has our attention. What I received, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now listen to this. Listen to who Jesus visits after the resurrection. That he appeared to Cephas. That's Peter. You remember the, the slow guy who didn't make it to the tomb? Who didn't believe? Who was like you? Who said, I, I, this, is not, this is not possible. Jesus showed himself. Risen to Peter, to Cephas, and then to the twelve. You remember Thomas? He saw, he believed. And then he appeared to 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Paul says most of them are still alive. Go ask them. But some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, the brother of Jesus. Now listen, if you can convince your brother that you are God, you've done something. Last of all, to as one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. What changed in all these lives? What changed in Peter's life? The resurrection. What changed in Mary's life? The power of God in her. What changed Thomas's life? 
the resurrection. What changed Saul's life? It was the resurrection. They found the gospel to be right. To be true. And they found it to feel right. To be spiritually right. Because it is true. The gospel is the power of God in you. It's the disciples' way of saying, it's Paul's way of saying, guys, it's real. He is alive. You can believe. And because you can believe, you can live in the power of resurrection. And when you trust in Jesus, something changes. Actually, let me, let me correct that statement. When you believe in Jesus Christ, everything changes. Jesus meets you where, he are, where you are, but he never leaves you where you are. Jesus meets you where you are, but he will never leave you where you are. So let me give you some thoughts about the power of Christ in you. Not around you, not behind you, not in front of you, not above you, in you. If you are in Christ, this is what is true of you right now. Are you ready? First Peter. You remember the skeptic? The one who didn't believe? This is what Peter says. Because of the great mercy he has given us, new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So this is what Peter says to you who profess Jesus as Lord. He says, Jesus' people are not dead people. In fact, God's people are living. And Jesus' people are the most alive people in the world. Sometimes it depresses me when I see Christians who look like they're the most dead people in the world. I think we're going to get to heaven one day and God's going to say, What were you doing? God's going to say to me, I, I, Josh, I changed your heart. I changed your eternity. I changed everything about you. But something happened. Your face was stuck in neutral. Listen, if we are the most alive people in the world, why can we not live like that? If God has changed us, we should live as if Christ has redeemed us. This is the power of the resurrection. Yahweh desires his people to have new life because he is dwelling in you. So the power of the resurrection in you begins a new spiritual life in you. So if you are in Christ, the old person is gone and behold, the new has come. You're not who you used to be. You're completely made new spiritually. That's the power of the resurrection. But there's more. The power of the resurrection in you breaks canceled sin. It breaks your sin. Romans 6, 14. You remember Saul, the scoffer. Saul, the skeptic. Saul, the one who didn't believe. Says this. He says, sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law but under grace. Christian, did you hear that? You don't live under the law anymore. And the Bible says the law is a curse. Anyone glad they don't live under a curse anymore? But under grace. This is the power of Christ in you. One of my favorite pastors, Alistair Begg, says it this way. Although sin might remain, it does not reign in you. The power of the resurrection in you breaks 
canceled sin. No one in the world can say this. There's no one who can say this but the Christian. And resurrection power includes the power in your life to gain more and more victory every day. What does the Christian life look like? You take one more step to Jesus than you did yesterday. And you find that he is faithful. That he will forgive your sins. He will cleanse you. Because he reminds you, listen, that sin doesn't have power over you anymore. The Holy Spirit is working in you. Because of the resurrection, church, your sin is canceled. Let me say that again. You remember when I said that the, for the Christian you have new, new life in you? Reach in and find that really quick. Because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in you, your sin is canceled. And it no longer has a stranglehold in your life. This is the power of of the resurrection. And also the power of Christ in you provides you the power to obey. The power to obey. First Corinthians 15 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The word vain here means useless. There are no useless people when Jesus gets a hold of you. God doesn't have useless kids. He gives you a purpose and a plan to work in you and through you for His good glory. And here's, here's the joy of the Christian. I know when you hear the word obedience, you think, oh, here we go again. For the Christ follower, obedience is not, I have to. Obedience is, I get to. Obedience is, Lord, I get to do your work. Me? You get to obey him and enjoy the power of the resurrection because of what Jesus did to you and for you and through you. This is the power of the resurrection. But there's one more. Not only is the resurrection the power of God to you, not only is this the resurrection power of God in you, but also now, because of Christ, this is the power of God through you. Think about the verse, Acts 1, verse 8. You will receive power. We stop there. Yes! Give me that power. And God says, hold on now. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And we still say, yes, Lord. Power, Spirit, I'm in. And you will be my witnesses in all of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to St. Clair County and to the uttermost ends of the earth. The power of the resurrection is now the power of God through you. Through you. So let's look at these former unbelievers. You know Peter, the one who was not as fast as John and made it to the tomb second who didn't believe that Jesus would rise from the dead? Do you know at the end of his life, he, he brought the gospel to Rome? 
where thousands believed in Jesus Christ. And he refused to renounce his faith. And when the authorities said, we're going to crucify you, he said, I'll die for Jesus. But he said, I don't want to be crucified right side up. Crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. Peter believed that the resurrection was the power of God through him. Do you remember the the doubter, the one that you call the doubter named Thomas? Do you know that church history tells us that he went to India? He was the first person that brought the gospel to India. And he so riled up the people there that they impaled him with a stake. He died. Because he believed that the power of Christ and the resurrection was the power of God through him. Do you remember the man named Saul who who said, I'm going to kill the foolish people who believe in the resurrection? Paul himself says that he was beaten five times within an inch of his life. He was three times beaten with rods. One time he was almost killed with stones. Three times he was shipwrecked. One time he spent the night in the sea swimming and he died in a Roman prison. Why? Because he lived out the resurrection. Because all of these skeptics, all of these unbelievers would say to you this, if you are in Christ, you are a witness. You know what a witness is? It's someone who will take the stand and say, I saw that event happening, or I will give sworn testimony. Christian, did you know that your life is a sworn testimony to the reality of the resurrection? Your life should be, Satan, put me on the stand. Because Jesus is real. And he rose again for me. So put me on the stand. I want to be a witness. And so before God and his angels, I want us to confess that right now. If you are a Christian, say it with me. I am a witness. May the Lord use us. Because the power of the resurrection is the power of God to you. It's the power of God in you to change your life. And it is the power of God in you and through you to change others. And there are so many in our area that do not know the love of the Father. And they need to see it in you. What if Jesus gave you your address because your neighbor needs you there? And they need to hear the love of God through you. What if you're in that cubicle because you're... you're Coworker needs Jesus. And they need your testimony. Your sworn life that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You know that uh, annoying toddler you might have? That, that annoying son or daughter who's always asking questions, who never listens, who's always disobedient? What if you're their mom or dad or grandparent or aunt or uncle? Because you are the testimony. That one day they'll look at you and they'll say, you know, this Jesus person, I, I know about him because they told me, Lord, they were faithful. I saw the power of the resurrection through them. And as we look again at the resurrection, 
I really believe that this testimony changes your life. And if you're here and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, maybe you're here and your life has not changed. Would you search your heart? Maybe you're not who you think you are. Because Peter would say, this Jesus is worth dying for. Thomas would say, hey guys, it's real. I saw it in my own eyes. You can believe. Saul would say, man, Jesus changed my life. He changed my name. He changed my eternal destiny. Live out the hope of the resurrection. And as we go into a moment of response, are you ready to be what God wants you to be today? I love what N.T. Wright says about the resurrection. He said, the resurrection is the beginning of God's new project. Not to snatch people away from the earth. But to occupy earth with the life of heaven. You see, the resurrection is God's promise to the world that He is not through with us yet. Your testimony is a reminder to the world that God is not through with you yet. Live out the power of the resurrection through you. We've given you survey cards today. On the back of that is a way for you to respond. And I believe every single person here needs to take a step of faith. For you, maybe that is putting your trust in the arms of Christ for the very first time. Maybe for you it's, it's making a public proclamation that Jesus is yours and that you're, you're His. It's called baptism. It's the biblical response to God's grace. Would you let us know we want to follow up with you? Maybe for you, God's called you to be a leader and a servant here in this church and you realize now is the time to serve because you want to be where God wants you to be. Maybe for you it's to join a life group. Hey, by the way, none of you have been in a life group on campus for a year. It starts next week. Starts next week, right? So there's an opportunity for all of us to take another step. But I do know this. God is not going to leave you where you are today. That's the power of the resurrection. And as we think and as we respond, we're going to end with the Lord's Supper. Would you prepare your hearts for that moment? That we would not drink or eat the body of Christ or His blood in vain. And maybe for you today, you realize, Lord, this, this is the power of Christ in me. I have not been living like I should. Lord, I have not been gathering with the saints as you tell me is good for my soul. I've not been serving. I've not been giving. I've not been praying. Lord, I have not been living like you want to. Do you know that God can change your life today? Would you confess your sins? Not to me, I can't change your life, but go to Jesus. Maybe you realize you've not been praying or being the witness that you need to be. Maybe you need to come to the altar and pray, not for yourself, but for others you know are far from Christ. To say, Lord, make me the witness that you want me to be, because you're worth it. 
However God is working in you, I'll be down front if you want someone to talk to. I'll stay after the service. But may you take another step in your faith because of the power of the resurrection. Church, let's go to the Lord in prayer.